Good morning, New Hope. The title of our sermon today is Have Yourself a Merry Little Brismas. Some of you may not know what a bris is. Um, Jason asked me almost over a year ago if I would do this sermon because I'm one of the few uh, fellows who is Jewish but also believes in Jesus. So he thought this would be an ideal sermon for me. But a bris is the ceremony that occurs eight days after a young man is born where he is circumcised. And in that ceremony, part of the ceremony is also uh, where the young man will receive his name. Now, we're doing this Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas because today happens to be eight days after December 25th, which is the day that we happen to remember the birth of Jesus. And so uh, this also happens to fall on a Sunday, which makes it an ideal opportunity to talk about this. So what is in a name? In the Old Testament, names meant a lot. In fact, to know somebody's name means that you had some level of influence or authority over them. This is one of the reasons why the name of God has been guarded so tightly in the Old Testament. But today, we don't feel uh, uh, that names are that important and that they will have little or no impact in your life. Uh, we give our, cha- uh, our, our uh, children names, and we think very little of what, how it's going to affect them. But there's been a lot of recent scientific studies proving that, in fact, a, there's a lot in a name and that a, a person, based on their name alone, could receive a promotion or get a raise. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what all this means. Now, I'll give you an example. My name is Ronald. And if you look up the meaning of my name, it means strong and manly. My middle name is Charles, which happens to mean manly. I think my parents were trying to tell me something. I think most of you who already know me well enough know that I'm a strong, manly man. And it has influenced my life. Most successful girls' names. The ten most successful girls' names. Madeline. Katie, which happens to be the name of my daughter. Catherine, with a C. This is the European version of Catherine, which is the namesake of my daughter. Susan. Lorraine. Victoria. Catherine again, this time with a K, that's the Anglo-Saxon version of the name. Elizabeth, Morgan, and Jacqueline. Most successful men's names, Madison, Thomas, Parker, Kenneth, David, Robert, James, Christopher, Ross, and Stephen. The meaning of a name can mean the difference between success and failure. In fact, many people have changed their name in order to enhance their careers. So um, this name, Catherine Elizabeth Hudson. Do you know who she is? Who is it? Katy Perry. Put up the slide. 
That's Katy Perry. How about Amethyst Amelia Kelly? Anyone? Put up the slide. Iggy Azalea. <laughs> now, Iggy is real important to me. She does a tune called The Murder Business. And everybody who knows what I do for a living knows that this is Scientific Insect Control's theme song. But <laughs> the interesting thing about Iggy's name is that Iggy's name is actually her dog's name. And Azalea happens to be the street that she lived in when she lived in Australia. That's how she got her stage name. Mark Sinclair Vincent. Anybody know who Mark Sinclair Vincent is? Whoa! Put up the slide, please. Vin Diesel. And Vin Diesel said that Vin Diesel sounded much more intimidating. <laughs> now, out of entertainment, there's also other careers where names have been changed. Leslie Lynch King, Jr. Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford. Bingo. Put up the slide. No, that's not Newt Gingrich. <laughs> Gerald Ford. <laughs> Yes, that is correct. Newton Leroy McPherson. Next slide. Newt Gingrich. Right. Stanley Martin Lieber. Stan Lee. Very good. Spider-Man fame. Theodore Giesler. Giesel. Dr. Seuss. Exactly right. So in literature, in politics, in entertainment, and in business, many people have changed their name in order to be more successful. So, what is the importance of Jesus' name? Turn with me to Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 32. This was the day that Jesus, Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple for his circumcision and his naming ceremony. Now when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Just as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be set apart to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is specified in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. The prophet Simon. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simon who was righteous and devout, looking for the restoration of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So Simon, directed by the Spirit, came into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what was customary according to the law, Simon took him in his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, according to your word, sovereign Lord, permit your servant to depart in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles, 
and for the glory of your people Israel. Now, what does the name of Jesus actually mean? It means God is salvation. Now, some people get upset when his name is not Emmanuel. And in Isaiah, it says he shall be called Emmanuel. But what Emmanuel means is God with us. And so Jesus was God and he was with us. So they called him Emmanuel. But his name was Jesus. Now, who did Jesus surround himself with? Now, we all hear about, you know, Peter, James, and John. So, what do these names mean? Well, Peter's real name was Simon. Simon means he has heard. But Jesus changed his name, didn't he? He changed it to Peter. What Peter means is stone. Now, the funny thing is, is in the scriptures, they interpret it as rock. And when we think of rock, we think of big things, right? Big boulders and such. But the fact of the matter is, is that our stone is more like baseball size. And when he said, upon this stone, I will build my church, he wasn't talking about big boulders or cleanly cut huge stones like the Egyptians built the pyramids. He was talking about crude little pebbles that would make up the church. This small demonstration of faith is what was going to be cobbled together to create his edifice. We also know about James, holder of the heel or supplanter. But this may have been a nickname for James because it also means tag along. And then John, which means God is gracious. So, Jesus surrounded himself with, he has heard a stone tag along and God is gracious. Not a bad team. So here at New Hope, who do we surround ourselves with? Who is leading us? Jason, your your name means to heal. Not a bad start. A healing process you're in the midst of with St. Hilda's, if I'm not mistaken. Joe, he will add. Not a bad thing for a church. Adding people, not only in the name of numbers of people sitting in the pews, but also in adding to our lives and adding value to us. And who comes alongside Jason but Mary, which means beloved. And who comes alongside Joe? Amy. Guess what? Which also means beloved. (laughs) It's not a bad team here either. Healing and addition and belovedness. Which brings us to our text for today. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. If you all would turn there with me. You should have the same attitude towards one another that Jesus Christ had who though he, exalt, though he exalted in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave, by looking like other men, and by sharing in human nature. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. As a result, 
God exalted him and gave him the name that shall be above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God, the Father. Now, every first century man and woman who heard that passage knew exactly what Paul was trying to say. But I think we need to unpack that a little bit so that we can understand it too. When the Roman Empire conquered someone, they had a celebration. And this celebration would be the triumphal entry back into Rome. You see all these arches, these architectural arches that you see. These were built in honor of generals and legions that conquered Roman empires. And they would have this parade before uh, the Roman people and the Senate. And on display in that parade would be the honored legion and their general. All the spoils of war, including valuables like gold and silver and jewels. The flora and the fauna of the area that they conquered. Also, all the slaves that they brought back from the conquered land. And last but not least, the king of the nation that they conquered or the leader of the rebellion that they put down. Then before the big feast where everybody would come in and and eat, drink, and be merry and they would put the laurel wreath on the head of the conquering general, they would force that king to bow down on his knees and confess that Caesar was Lord just before they executed him. How paradoxical in the Christian economy that the victor would lay down his life in order to save the vanquished. Jesus died to set you free. You are no longer slaves. You are no longer slaves to your past. You are no longer slaves to sin. You are no longer slaves to illness. You are no longer slaves to any demon that you might have been plagued with. Because God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to set us free. So if Jesus set you free, you are free indeed. What are we going to do with that freedom? We have been set free from death To what? We have been set free to love. First and foremost, to love God. Secondly, to love ourselves. And thirdly, to love others. I believe all truth is God's truth. And I recently learned something from my yoga practice that sounds incredibly true to our Christian lives. Now, let that sink in for a minute. Yes, I do yoga. And yes, I have yoga pants. So, get that image out of your head so we can concentrate on on what we're about to talk about. In yoga, there is a philosophy of layers of life that's called the kasha. And there are five sheets or layers 
of existence. The first layer is the body, our physical selves. The second is the breath, or the pneuma, or spirit, which gives us life. The third is the mind, that sense of self-awareness to know we exist and to know that we are mortal. The fourth is the consciousness. That place of right and wrong, do or not do. That place of judgment and discernment. And the fifth is called sanity, which is translated bliss. It is like the term you hear me talk about so many times, greater grace. There is a grace that's unto salvation, and there is a greater grace that's unto bliss. This is the place without judgment or condemnation. A place where God, through Jesus, has given us holy sanctuary in his presence. This is the place where Christians need to spend more time. Because this consciousness, this area of understanding right and wrong, do and not do, judgment, discernment, it is the curse. What was the tree that was forbidden to be eaten? What was it called? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Christians spend way too much time here judging one another, judging yourself. It's one of the reasons where we're not very popular. You need to remember, like Mother Teresa remembered, that we are all children of God and we are all set free and we are all valued. And there is no room for judgment anymore. If God cannot condemn us because of Jesus Christ, who are we to condemn one another? I recently had a conversation with a woman named Miriam. She is from Iran, here in the United States, studying medicine. It was through the love and kindness of Christians that she had the opportunity to encounter that she is seeking now to understand Christianity in a full way. This kindness that we as Christians extend to strangers, the same kind of kindness and love that we would extend to family. She was able to experience genuine Christian love without judgment, without condemnation. That difference caused her to want to know more to desire this for herself, to experience that greater grace. This is the power of Jesus. God is salvation. Let us pray. Gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the first Sunday of the first day of the year. And I ask, Lord, that you would Help us to realize that every day in our hearts, we have to live like it's Sunday. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.